Amen. Good singing. Amen. Appreciate that tonight. And uh, it's interesting that uh, we turn to Mark chapter 10 tonight. We, we, in our mind, we think we have all these needs, right? We'll say, I need a vacation. I need, you know, uh, time off. I need a new car. I need a new house. I, and really, when you think about it, there's few things we need. Right. Need water. Right. He is the water. Yeah, right. We need bread. He's the bread. Pretty much everything you need is who he is. Yeah, and right. see, we've gotten to where we think we need all this other stuff. And so we're never content because we're always looking for more. Amen. And uh, sometimes you think, uh, you find out that uh, you think you got it all going, right? Financially, you think you're all going, got it all going until you get a phone call, till the economy crashes. You think uh, you're popular, think you got friends, and sometimes you figure out he's the only one you got, right? right? I mean, it, and a lot of times we want other people to meet the need that only God can meet. And so we put all that pressure on people. Our spouses will say, well, you know, he's not meeting my needs or she's not meeting my need. And uh, we say, well, I need somebody to meet all my needs. But we, we put all that pressure, all that load on somebody. And uh, the fact is, he should be all we do need. So I appreciate that. Good singing, everybody, tonight. Again, appreciate you giving. Mark chapter 10, verse number 17 is where we're going to start. The Bible said uh, in verse uh, 17, When he was gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled to him. That's interesting, isn't it? They didn't casually, he didn't casually go to him, he ran to him. And uh, that's, that's really how we should pursue him, isn't it? And asked him, said, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. So even in verse 18, he's, he's telling him, One thing, you have, if you're going to call me good, you need to acknowledge who I am. I'm, he's telling him he's God. If he's saying there's only one good, you just called me that. There's only one good, and that's God. Verse 19 he said, Thou knowest the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, defraud not, honor thy father and mother. And he answered and said unto him, Master, all these have I observed from my youth. Now notice in verse 21, Then Jesus beholding him, loved him. But he didn't tell him, Brother Russell, he didn't tell him, No, it's... You're doing fine. Everything's okay. He gave him truth. Yes. He told him. He asked the question what he had to do to inherit eternal life. And so instead of coddling him, he, go, he told him. He said, Here, here's what you got to do. He, he laid all those things out to say, here's the law. These are the things that won't get you there. He said, I've done all those things. Well, now he tells him to do a harder thing, right? He says in verse 21, then Jesus, beholding him, loved him and said unto him, One thing thou lackest, go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. Now if it had a period there, then it looked like Jesus was just saying, Listen, the way to get to heaven is sell everything you got and give to the poor. Right? That's not what he said. He went on to say this. He said um, uh, in verse 21, and uh, he said, come, take up thy, the cross, 
and follow me. There it is. So he, he, he's telling him to do a hard thing, take everything you got, sell it, give to the poor. Now again, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to nitpick, but notice he didn't say sell whatsoever thou hast and give it all to the poor. That may have been what he meant, but according to the, the Bible, he said give to the poor, right? Now, maybe he did mean 100% of it, but, but what he was looking for is obedience. Right. See, it wasn't the amount. He was looking for the obedience that this, this young man uh, w would have. And so when he got to verse 22 he, or verse 21, he said, come take up the cross and follow me. There's the key to it. You've got to follow him. And he, he, he was sad in verse 22 at that saying and went away grieved for he had great possessions. So here, here's what he's saying. He goes to Jesus he, and, and probably, Brother Johnny, what he was actually doing is he's probably feeling pretty good about himself going, well, you know, ever since I was a kid, I've, I've lived by the word of God, right? I, what I've been taught to do, I've been a good kid and uh, successful in this world's eyes because the Bible said he had great possessions and so I'm sure he probably went half-heartedly there saying now probably he's going to tell me I need to do something but he's probably going to praise me because I've done a lot of things right in other words there was a side of him it seems like he was looking at his self-righteousness and what he was already doing and saying now Lord you know uh, here's some things I've done I've kept the word of God and, uh, you know, I, I've, I've worked hard, and, and that ought to be enough, right? But he's, he asked him the question, what must I do, or what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? So he lays out in these verses uh, what he has already done and saying, you, you really can't do anything except trust, oh. right? Oh. And so here, dealing with this thing of stewardship, that's the series we'll probably finish up next week, we, we see that throughout Scripture, the concept of a steward is introduced to us again and again. And so really what he's asking this young man, he said, are you going to be an owner or are you going to be a, a manager? And that's, that's all stewardship is. And, and it goes well beyond the finances he had. What he was asking him was, are you going to be a, an owner of yourself for your life or are you going to do what I tell you to do? Good. A manager. Right. And that's, what he's at. that's what stewardship is. See, we, we, again, we tie stewardship up in our finances. And that is part of it. But if that's all you think of when you think of stewardship, you're missing the broader aspect that, that God wants all of you. And he wants all of me. And so the disciple of stewardship involves much more than finances, but it includes finances. And so the account of the rich young ruler gives us an example he thought his possessions belonged only to him. What he was asking was, Lord, what do you want me to do? The, 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 the law that you've laid out, I've done all these things, but, but over here is some stuff that I have that I've worked for, right? And I don't want you touching that. I'll give all this to you, but I don't want to give this to you. And that's where a lot of us are. And it may not be your finances. It may be another area of your life. 
that you're not willing to give to God. But stewardship is about giving everything to God, right? It's not just about the pocketbook. It's about the one holding the pocketbook. That's what he's after. And so the, the fact is... He would have replied in the affirmative if he was asked. Because uh, here's when you look at this, all these things he said I've done. Well, what is part of uh, the law? Part of what the Old Testament teaches is tithing. So no doubt, if if he would ask him if he was tithing, he was doing all these other things. He would answer, Well, yeah, I'll give. 10% to the poor, and I, I give 10% to the local church, but that's not what he was asking him to do. He's saying, I want you to give everything to me. I don't want you to hold anything back. This part of your life, this moral code, you have given to me and done a good job, but see, he wants it all. He wants your dreams, and he wants your actions, he wants your occupation. He wants uh, your desires. He wants your heart. He wants your body. He wants everything about us. So God wants us to be like he, Jesus Christ. And to be like Jesus, we have to rely on him. They just say he's all I need. But see, we got to get to the place where he's really all we need. And so who knows if Jesus was telling him to give everything to the poor. He did say, sell everything you got. And maybe he did mean to give all to the poor. But do we not agree that if he were to ask him to give all to the poor, then he would replenish what this guy needs. And so he is the owner of all things and wants us to be faithful managers. So what does a steward, here's the question, what does a steward really look like? We have a picture and we have a biblical definition that we're a manager of what God has and everything is his, the, the cattle on a thousand hills and the hills and us and everything, he owns it all, right? He's the creator of it all. So if I want to draw a picture of us tonight of what a steward should be. I want, to, I want to kind of break it down to where if we're honest about it, if we're going to be a steward to the Lord, uh, here's maybe what it would look like. So number one, we have to look at number one, the makeup of a steward. I don't know if you're a steward or not. And you don't know if I'm a steward or not. See, we can portray being one. And so... That steward has to, first of all, be guided by integrity. Boy, that's not a popular word today, is it? It, Today, the the word is, listen, if you don't get caught. Hey, one of the the senators this week got caught with uh, gold, gold bar. I mean, everybody's got some gold bars laying around the house, I'm sure, right? And cash and all that. And and they, they seem to think they've got a pretty good case that he was being bribed. Well, he went to court and said, I'm innocent. Now, he may be, right? That's what the justice system is supposed to be for. But nobody's guilty of anything, right? It's the, what I'm trying to say is that the only person that really knows your heart is you. The only person that really knows why you do what you do is you. You and the Lord, right? And so you're probably the only one who knows if you're a good steward. Now, you may appear to be, even I think was it Sunday, we looked at the widow and the, the Pharisees and, and, and they gave all this money and this widow, maybe it's two Sundays ago, gave uh, two, two pennies and she gave all she had and the Lord said that she's the one that gave everything. They gave out of their abundance. So really, 
Nobody would know that except him and her. Integrity is doing the right thing when nobody's looking. Integrity is, is you know, uh, when you go to the store and they, they give you too much change and you, you're going down the road, you go, man, they gave me $10 too much. Oh, must be my lucky day. No, that's uh, integrity is taking it back and so say you paid me a little extra. We, we got to amen and to silence, didn't we, real quick in that one. See, what may be legal may not be ethical. Right? See, you have to look in the mirror and determine your integrity as a steward. Question is, are, are you, do you have integrity? Next thing is, uh, a steward should be devoted to God. You say, well, I'm devoted to God. Well, let me ask you this. Do you let him have full control or partial control? Now, I don't know about you. They're talking about having these self-driving cars. I don't think I'm ever going to, well, I probably could never afford one, but I don't think I'd ever want to have a car that drove itself. Because right. a lot can go wrong with me driving, but my luck, somebody would hack into it and run me off a bridge somewhere. <laughs> right? But my point is, I like to drive if I'm in the car because Miss Ellen, number one, drives too slow. But there's also an element of I like to be in control of where we're going and when, when we're going to stop and all that stuff, right? Just say me and you know I'm right. We like to think that we've got it all under control, but the fact is when you've got it under control and never relinquish control to him, you're not a steward. And so is he everything or is he just something? That's what it comes down to. Is he your everything or is he just your something? Is he your life or is he part of it, right? Does he, does he get a vote in your dreams or are you trying to figure out how you can fulfill your dreams and include God into it? So how many times, Brother Jerry, have we prayed we'll, we'll make a decision as, as uh, human beings and it, it seems like everything is what it should be and we'll say, now God, I want you to bless this. We never, we never got him in on the initial, uh, the initial investment on the thing, right? We never got him in on the initial interview of the thing. But then after it's done, say, now, God, if it's not your will, uh, I want you to tell me, all right, must be God's will. Or, Brother Shane, is, well, you know, uh, the pay's good and the benefits are good and the hours are good. Hey, but it's going to take me out of church a couple times a week. That's okay. I, I still, no, I'd watch that. Can I, can, I, can I share a little life example? I've nibbled on that bait before. There's a hook inside of it. Oh, yeah. Hey, listen. I remember, Brother Jimmy, when I was uh, working and selling insurance, I was like, well, I'm never going to take an appointment. I've told you this before on Wednesday night. I'm not going to miss church. Well, all of a sudden, those good appointments started can you meet Wednesday night? Maybe about 7. No, I got church. Well, when the sales numbers started getting a little thin, well, this one won't hurt. This second one won't. If I, if I make money, I'm gonna tithe, I'll give extra hallelujah. I'm going to give above a tithe on this one, right? Before you know it, one Wednesday night got to be two Wednesday nights. 
But then I figured out, well, I can stay in the office on Wednesday night. Then Wednesday night became Sunday night. Then Sunday night became, I'm going Sunday morning to Sunday school, but I really don't like Sunday school. Then Brother Bart, Sunday morning, there's always something wrong with the choir singing. And the preacher wasn't doing it. If he'd do this, it'd be, see what I'm saying? I was trying to make him a part of it instead of let him have it. How many times have you done it? See, being devoted to God is much more important to just, than just making him a part of something. He is everything or he's not anything. He wants to be Lord of all or not Lord at all. Then the mark of a steward is also that they're faithful. 1 Corinthians 4, 2 says, moreover, it is required. Now that, how many believe your Bible? What does required mean? Mandatory. It is mandatory. It is mandatory in a steward that they be found faithful. You can't be a steward without being faithful. And what does that mean, faithful? Consistent. Right? Am I consistent reading my Bible? Am I consistent praying? Am I consistent giving? Am I consistent handing out the gospel? Am I consistent praying about things and asking God, well, am I consistent? Once in a while is not faithful. Once in a while is sporadic. A steward has to be found faithful, and that faithfulness means consistent. Do we waver uh, when things get difficult, right? Because if we're going to be faithful in giving, uh, there are going to be hard times where we're going to have to trust God and say, God, I'm putting you first, and I'm going to give, and then I'll trust you to take care of the rest. And there's going to be times in, in your life where you don't understand things, and you're just going to have to say, God, I'm going to put you first, and I'm going to let you handle the rest. I want to always put you first. And that ain't easy, is it? So number one is the mark of a steward. Number two is the management of stewards. So how do we, how do we manage what God gives us? If God gave you, right, $86,400. Well, Johnny likes that, amen. I like that too. That's not bad. What would you do with it? Right? I think there's 86,400 seconds in a week. What are you doing with it? What are you doing with what God gives you? Because he gives us, can we agree he gave us breath this morning? You got up. What are you doing with that breath? using it for his glory or using it to do something else with? What are you doing with the finances? What are you doing with the time? What are you doing with the talent? What are you doing with all the things God gives us? So uh, to be a steward, first thing we have to do is be careful. Let me be careful. Let me be careful. How do we care for the possessions God entrusts us with? Let me ask you this. I hope. I hope... With, with the price of used cars now, right, that we're all trying to take care of what we have, right? I mean, you, hey, 
Well, I, don't, I just don't believe in that, Brother Jimmy. I'm just like, you go ahead, you're going to end up paying, right? I mean, I hope, I hope you understand that if you don't change the oil in your car, it ain't going to last as long. I hope you understand that, you know, in just a few months, maybe we'll get snow, maybe we won't. Who knows, right? But they put that brine on the road, and if you don't wash that stuff off, it's going to eat some stuff in there. What, what, what about the, the house you have, right? You say, well, it's not that nice a house. But, but see, God gave it to you. I mean, if you were living in my house, if I gave you a house to live in, and uh, I said, now listen, I'm going to come by and check it once in a while and I'll take care of it. And I come by and the weeds are grown up. You can't see the door. And, you know, there's, uh, there's stuff all in the yard. And, and uh, you'd say, I, that's not being a good steward. Good, right. right? What about, what about the clothes on your back? You see what, where I'm going with this? We take so much for granted yes, that, that a lot of times we don't think that God gave us that. And so we're like, well, I don't have to worry about it. If I, if I tear it up, I'll just, uh, that's what we work with. You know what that is? Childish. Amen. Right? Amen. How many times you give your kids something and they tear it up? Well, we'll just go get another one. Come on. right? right? What kind of care taker are you? We'll get a little more personal. This right here, God gave you that too. This right here, God gave you that, right? God wants us to take care of all of it. So we're careful. Then a manager is dependable. Dependable. Worthy of trust, right? Are you dependable? You ever thought about this? Yeah, it's a Wednesday night crowd, so you... You can say amen here, right? You're here on a Wednesday night. God gave us a local church to go to, right? God God put, put us all here, put this place here for you and I to come and worship him together and fellowship together and provoke each other to good works. Hebrews 10.25 said we're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. But here's what I want to ask you. And obviously you are, so you can say amen. How dependable are you? We ought to be, Brother John, we ought to be dependable when it comes to... When, when you're not here, it should be, hey, I wonder where brother and sister so-and-so, they're normally here, right? Instead of, wonder if they've left the church because we hadn't seen them in three. Oh, well, they showed up for one. Oh, they're gone for four. You know, see what I'm saying? you ought to be dependable. You ought to be dependable when God tells you to do something. That, say, okay, Lord, right? You ought, to be, you ought to be dependable at work. You ought to be dependable at home. We ought to be dependable in the community that people know, hey, here's the other thing. You know why we need, to, we need to have church? Because there's a community out there that we need to be dependable to that they'll know that hey, if I ever do decide to go to church, they're going to be there and they're going to preach the gospel. Can God trust us or can he depend on us? Then a manager should be an investor. Are we wasting or are we investing? 
Now I was thinking about this today. Now you're going to like this, I think. I think this is going to get me some, this is probably going to get me some amens. But I, I had to, I had to change the way I thought about some things. And I don't mean doctrinally, so don't, don't get all nervous. <laughs> right. Would we agree that a vacation can be an investment? Used to, I thought, no, right? My wife's kids tell you we didn't take a vacation probably the first seven, eight years I pastored. If I wasn't preaching somewhere, we didn't go anywhere, right? And usually it was like, well, I'm going to preach, and then we'll add a couple of days on the end of it. And we went a few years ago, went down to uh, the beach. No, we went to the shore. I mean, we're spiritual folks. We were going to stay a week. And I finally got settled in, right? Takes me four or five days to get settled in. First three days, I'm like, I'm ready to go home, right? I, I like, but day five, I got settled in. And uh, I said, we got to the end of our stay. I said, well, let's stay another day. And they all looked at me like, I said, well, let's stay one more. And I think we end up staying 10 days. There's time I wouldn't have done that. Right? Now let me say this, time out. You don't have to make that investment every week during the summer. You don't have to make that investment every weekend. Well, let's just take a long weekend. We don't see you for four months, right? But, but you, I think of vacation because you know what? You better learn to recharge. Sometimes we learn, I learned it the hard way. I'm still learned the hard way. I remember a preacher told me when I first started pastoring, he said, all I do is pastor this church. I don't play golf. I don't hunt. I don't take vacations. I don't take days off. God's called me past his church. And I saw him about 20 years later. He said, I've learned I need to take days off. And I need to take time off. Amen. Can I say this? You do too. I used to, Brother Jimmy, I'd, I would wear them vacations out, praise God. I'd be, you know, bless God, I don't need to be home on vacation. But you do. You do. It can be an investment. It can be a thing you squander on too. Let me ask you this. Can a car be an investment? Absolutely. What well, depends on what you're going to do with it. If you're going to take it, get you to church, right? That's a pretty good investment. If you're going to take it to share the gospel, that's an investment, right? See what I'm saying? Everything, sometimes we get in our mind that if we're not give, only giving to missions and we're not giving a 10% or 20% church, all the rest of it's just spending and squandering. That's not it. Or if we're not giving, putting it in our retirement accounts, which, which again, you should, and we're not putting it in the savings account. If we spend it on anything, uh, then it's not, uh, it's not good spending. And I'm not saying that. Now, again, all spending's not good. So before you get too smiley on me, right, it's like, well, I'm just going, preacher said that's an investment. Right? Now, I don't think you can, I don't think you can consider going out to eat every night of the week an investment. But sometimes if we're not careful, what I'm saying, you don't have to, you don't, if, you're, if, you're, you, if God gives you the okay, you don't, have to, you don't have to feel guilty about it. 
but you got to include him in the decision making. So we are waste. Are we wasting or investing? Are we investing for eternity? Brother Eddie, I do have a problem with people that spend all their money on vacation and don't give a dime to missions. I, I do have an issue with people that drive new cars and they don't ever tithe. I do have an issue with that because you're not investing for eternity. So a steward ought to be careful and dependable and should invest, right? Should invest in eternity. And then number three, the motivations of stewards. Why, why, why are we stewards? Why is it? How can we be motivated because, by the way, motivation matters, right? Motives matter. Why are you doing what you're doing? Because here's the thing. If, if you're giving to the work of the Lord just because you're supposed to, if you're giving to missions just because I feel like I got to, you're missing the blessing God wants you to. It's more blessed to give than to receive. So what motivates you to be a good steward matters. So what are the motivations? Well, I'm motivated, first of all, by God's word. You ready for this? Just because he said so. Just because he told me to do it. And what I find interesting in this scripture, in verse 21, then Jesus, beholding him, loved him. Why did he tell him to do what he told him to do was because he loved him. And so God's word is his love letter to us to say, listen, I don't want you to be greedy. I don't want you to be tight-fisted. I want you to be like me, and I'm a giver, and I love you. And so if you'll give, right, if you'll give of yourself and your time and your talent and your treasure, if you'll learn to be a good steward, then guess what? Uh, what's going to happen is you're, you're, you're going to please him because you're obeying him. Trust and obey for there's no other way. That's what we sang. Well, when he tells us to do it, it's not. he doesn't have to give us a reason. It is just his word said to do it. And so if I'm going to obey him and trust him, I just got to do it. So I'm motivated by God's word. But then I'm motivated by the future. You think about this. So you put money that you earn in an account somewhere. Hopefully, when you're young, you start that. You're wiser than we were, and you start that not to spend on a new car or a new iPhone, but you're putting it away systematically. So that someday in the future, that's, this, is, this is theory. So Justin, this is theory. This is before a lot of the craziness. Going. But the theory was you put in there so that it, it compounds interest. And that one day you can take that, that amount of money and live off of it, right? And pay your bills. That's the idea. Why'd you do that? You weren't doing it because it felt good now, right? I mean, you could take that hundred, two, three hundred dollars and say, man, if I had that money, I could do this with it, right? But, but there's something hopefully inside of you going, well, I got I to gotta do this now for later. Well, it's the same thing about being a good steward. You may not see the fruit of what you do here, but you will in the future. 
And so what motivates me to be a good steward uh, and, and, or should motivate me and should motivate you is that there, there's plans for the future, not only consuming what God allows us to have. Listen, we just had a training thing with our staff on Saturday about, about uh, planning, right, about, about living. And I told them, I said, I want you to do this. I said, I want you to write your eulogy. Think about this. That's what you all do. Write out your eulogy. If you were laying here, how would you want to be remembered? What is your purpose? You say, well, my purpose is to glorify God. Well, that's pretty generic, isn't it? But see, you, you sit down, you write out your eulogy about how you want to be remembered. And then you look at that and you say, okay. Now I have to take each day that I have and I have to live with that in mind and that should dictate how I live today so that one day when I'm laying here somebody doesn't have to make up nice things to say about me. Right? Well, if all I do is live for today, I get up today, go to work, make my money, spend it on what I want to, tomorrow I'll do the same thing. You're not, you're not looking at the future, you're looking at now. And that's what, that's what a lot of us do, isn't it? We don't care about hearing well done, good and faithful servant. We just want to get to heaven one day, but we want to live here and do what we want to here. Well, that's not, that's not the sign or the motivation of a good steward. We're motivated because Jesus died for us, and we realize just like Saturday for visitation, why do we go? Well, we go, preacher, uh, hopefully somebody's going to take that invitation card and be here uh, for Harvest Sunday. Well, that's not the big picture. The big picture is maybe they'll see the card and realize they're lost and on their way to hell and get saved. Or maybe they'll get the card and say, hey, I'd like to go visit that church. And then when they're here, they'll hear the gospel and, and realize they need to get saved. So it's not just putting people in the pew. It is getting them to heaven. Amen. That's the motivation. Amen. Brother Bart and I were talking earlier, uh, and, and I'm hearing this. I, I heard of another church doing this uh, they're not having Sunday night service anymore. We're going to have small group. Because that's what the church growth people say. I'm not against having small group. We call it Sunday school. right? I'm not against having a Bible study on Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday or whatever. But, but I, you know, and, and you, we can nitpick. Well, that's not in the Bible. Well, maybe not. But I know this. When you look at the book of Acts... They went to church every day. Brother Adam, I need Wednesday night service because I don't know about you, but the devil beats me up pretty good uh, Sunday through Wednesday, and I need a little charge in the arm to get through the rest of the week. So Wednesday night's important. Sunday night's important. Sunday morning's important. Uh, Tuesday morning visitation's important. Men's prayer breakfast is important. Ladies' fellowships, and whatever you can get involved with is important. And it's not like... It's not like, Brother Kenneth, we're taking role at men's prayer breakfast. So, well, you know, Brother so-and-so wasn't here today. He's not right with God. It is to give you another opportunity to help you. To help you in your walk with God so that one day in the future when we stand before him, we can hear, well done, good and faithful servant. See? Motivated by God's word, by the future, and then 
motivated by more. What do you mean by that, preacher? I want to get more so I can give more. Right? I want to have more people involved in our church so we can do more. Right? Brother Shane and I were talking about this yesterday. I'm glad. I'm thankful for the staff we have at this church. Brother Jimmy handles the outreach. It's not because I don't want to do outreach. Right? It's not because I don't want to organize Saturday. But if Brother Jimmy can do that, then I can do something else. Right? If Brother Johnny is doing the maintenance, I mean, I, I could have put them doorknobs on. Not as good as you, but I, I mean, I could do them. But if he's doing them, I can do something else. I mean, I can play the piano, just one song, and it's really not something you'd want to sing, but I could do it, but I sure am thankful Miss Susan does it, right? So my, my point is, the more we have, the more we can do. The reason I ask you to continue to increase your giving to missions is because, hey, 125 or 130, whatever we support now is wonderful, but I want to do more. I want to get the gospel farther out having three buses praise God and you know they're not full and I'm thankful we've got buses and vans going but but more means we can get more of the gospel out see what I'm saying it's I don't want more for me if I'm a good steward I want more so we can do more I want I want to be, don't you want to be this, the second mile Christian? I mean, don't, when somebody asks you to go one, don't you want to, you know what? Hey, we, we took up this love offering. And I'm thankful for what everybody gave. I don't know what you gave. But wouldn't it be nice for, to be in a position where if God says, hey, I want you to give 2,000 yourself to that. You said, all right. Right? Wouldn't it be nice if, if, if God told you, listen, I, I want you to go out uh, Saturday and I want you to spend all day knocking on doors. You say, all right. But I can't do it because this, this, and this, and this, and I've got all this stuff to do. You see what I'm saying? More. I want to be motivated by more. And, and, and you know what, Brother Jimmy? I think COVID got a lot of people in a place where they're just okay where they're at. There's a lot of churches that I talked to Pat, well, we're not where we were before COVID. But are you okay with that? I'm not. But I mean, if you, I, I, I listen to the choir uh, from Sunday morning. We got a good choir. They do a good job. But I don't want them to get satisfied where they are. Maybe one day God will give them a better choir leader and they can move on, right? That'd be okay. I don't listen, I, I promise you this, God tells me I'll I'll step out of the way. And brother Russell, a lot of, a lot of folks look at our church and say, Man, you're fifty, almost fifty three years old. And I want to say this, 
the church, I was telling a preacher this week, I said, man, our church takes good care of our family, treats us. I said, I got, a, I got it good. There are pastors I know that, man, they'll say, well, now, you got to be in the office from 8 o'clock to 5 o'clock. I'm like, no. Here's what all the, I know of pastors that at small church and they expect he and his family to do the cleaning in the church and do all the work around the church. Well, we're paying you. So I'm thankful for what we have here. So, brother, I mean, there's some guys I'm sure they look so, you know, just keep, keep it where it's at. Don't ruffle too many feathers, right? Just, y'all are, I mean, y'all are better, y'all in a better position than most churches, right? Praise God. Just cruise on to retirement. And that ain't me. More. Right? If the building was full, more. Not so we can go around bragging about how many we had, but every person sitting in those pews has a soul. Right? We want to do more. I'm motivated by more, more, more. So, and it's not that I'm not content. Whatever God decides to do with us here, I'm okay with it. But that's not for me to decide. My responsibility as a steward is to do more. And how he blesses that's up to him. And then a steward is motivated by self-discipline. I just said it earlier. I don't know, I don't know if you're a good steward or not. You don't know if I am. The only way to be a good steward is to be responsible. Responsible for you. Responsible for your walk with God. Responsible for your time spent with the Lord so you'll know exactly. Because your path is not like mine. We're not walking the same path. So I have to be self-disciplined enough to say, God, whatever you want is what I'll do. And then I should be motivated by productivity and here's what, listen to this now I'm not talking about when I say productivity I'm not talking about numbers I'm talking about is what I'm doing producing anything is it producing fruit right one of the sad realities one of the sad realities in the, is that there are churches right now Good churches. You had a man stay there 20, 30, 40, 50 years, led that church, but there was no, there was no plan for after he's gone. And there's churches sitting right now with no pastor. At some point in time, I will not be the pastor of this church anymore. If I have my way, it will be by death or the rapture, right? That's, that's, what I, that's my plan, right? Death or the rapture, and if the rapture takes place, hopefully none of y'all will be here either, and we won't really care who pastors next, right? There's some young men coming up 
young ladies coming up that this church needs to invest in. Amen. The reason I teach the young adult class is not because I don't like y'all. But God impressed on my heart and said, look, you need to be investing in them because they're, they're going to be the ones coming up that are going to be doing a lot of what you're doing now. I hope, you, I hope all of you are here till you're at least 125, 130. That's why Brother Paul and Miss Tammy have to invest in the teens. And that's why Brother Justin and Miss Emily have to invest in the kids, right? That's why you that work in the nursery, though you think you're just babysitting, what you're doing is investing in them. So what I'm saying is what are we producing as a church? We need to be producing some preachers to go out there and uh, take some churches. We need to be producing some missionaries that will go out and start churches where there are none. And we need to produce deacons. And we need to produce musicians. And we need to produce people uh, that will teach Sunday school. Why? Because we're not always going to be here. This is not our church. It's his. So is what we're doing in our life, it's what you're doing. Is there fruit? He said, that's good, preacher. You need to be investing in all, all those uh, young men. And uh, Miss Ellen needs to invest in all those young ladies. I agree. But I also think the Bible tells the older ladies to invest in the younger ladies and the older men to invest in the younger men. That's still in there, isn't it? So before we criticize the older generation, say, well, they're not investing in the younger generation, can I ask you the younger generation something? Are you teachable? Are you teachable? Because... Well, Jimmy, I've, I've seen a lot of young preachers lately that post a lot of stuff on their social media, and they sure seem to have it all figured out. They got all the answers. I don't think they know all the questions. So when you look at your life and say, am I owner or manager? Your owner is self-serving. If we're a manager, it's sacrificial. And we need to be sacrificial. We love him because he first loved us. Are you the owner or the manager? This guy here, he said, listen, all these possessions, were my, are they mine? He said he, he had great possessions, and he wasn't willing to give them up. So he wanted to be an owner, and God wanted to make him a manager. And that's what he wants us to be, managers. And let me finish with this. There, there is a liberty in just being a manager. When you're the owner, you've got to make all the decisions. When you're the manager, you just go to the boss and say, boss, what you need done today? Right? Now, humanly speaking, 
the boss may get it right and he may get it wrong. But if it goes wrong, it's like, you're the boss. Well, if I'm the manager, I'm just looking at the boss saying, okay, God, what, you, what do you want me to do today? You gave me breath, you gave me health, you gave me whatever it is, I'm yours. And if you start stacking enough of those days up, then you'll have a life of stewardship. And then you'll hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Let's stand. Amen. Amen. Let's bow our heads tonight. The altar's open. If you need to come, you come. If you have a church full of stewards, there's really nothing that can't be accomplished, can it? If you're willing to just say, God, my life is yours. Do with it what you want. Nothing that can't be done. Say, I don't know about that, preacher. Well, let's find out. Just find out. You know what? God may not ever call you to the mission field, young man, young lady. But that should be an option. May never call you into ministry, but you shouldn't say it's not an option. so much more yes Lord thank you Father that you love us even when we don't show our love for you help us to be good stewards Lead us and guide us and direct us. Thank you for being good to us. Just pray, God, that you would use us in a way that would honor the name of Christ. In Jesus' name we pray.